Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Sydney. How you going? Welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. Thank you so much for being here. Give me a round of applause if you've ever heard Book Cheat before. Fantastic, great. Uh, other end of the scale, don't be shy now. Give me a round of applause if you've never heard the podcast before. Fantastic. Front row. They would kill for your seats up there. So thanks for being Has anyone explained to you what this show is? Attempted. Attempted to. Okay, so basically, uh, I've read a classic book, so you don't have to, and I'm going to tell you all about it, but it's not just you and me tonight. We are joined by two very special guests. Will you please put your hands together and welcome to the podcast, Alexi Toliopoulos and Wyatt Nixon-Lloyd. Yeah! Here they are. Come on down. Take a seat. You can sit at the drum kit if you like. That's nice. Wow, hello, bookworms. Hello. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Sorry, we're we're officially book chooks on the show. Not to me. (laughs) I am the chook and rooster here, and you the worms. I'm going to gobble up at any moment. (laughs) I'm going to do an aggressive podcast character today. I can feel that. I can feel that aggression coming through. Yes. Look, it's a different energy to a a book podcast, but I appreciate it all the same. (laughs) And Wyatt, what energy have you brought tonight? I'm sort of uh, bringing observational energy. I'm bringing a sort of like happy to be here energy. Wow. And, and that's where I'm floating along. We love a grateful personality. <laughs> yeah. That's all we want. Well, <sighs> we're so stoked to have you here, Wyatt, uh, especially me, because uh, sadly our other guest, D. Fidge, uh, has called in sick. And you've stepped in at the last second. Yes. Very bravely. So let's give Wyatt a big round of applause. Thanks so much. Brave boy. I was trying to milk yes the moment and I think that's justified. Yeah, and you had no idea what I'd ask you to do and here you are all the same. I'm excited to learn. And me, I'm one of the healthiest men you've ever seen. I would not be stopped for a podcast recording under any circumstance. I was going to be here no matter what. Admit it, you told me that you were thinking about calling in sick and then you yeah. just felt too guilty to do it. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, oh, that'd be so rude. Just day by people by himself oh, talking about imagine. a book. Good Lord. Oh. I was thinking about it. I was thinking, how am I going to do this? I'd have to work very, very hard. <laughs> but now I don't have to, so don't worry about it. I can check out. Uh, I've, I've been reading a book and I'm going to tell you about that in just a second, but have either of you two been reading anything lately? Wow. We... <laughs> Throw to you first, mate. Well... It's been a hot second, but I think the last book I read was the Expanse series, the sci-fi series. That's a TV show. No, it's also a book series. <laughs> oh, really? And what happens is they make a popular book into a into a television show. No way! It's this new thing they're trying out, and it's really <laughs> it's really going well for them. 
Uh, but what happens is the TV show only gets up to this book and you get frustrated and then read the rest of the books and now I can't watch the show because yeah. I already know what happens at the end. You're yeah. still allowed to watch the show. Nah, I know what happens at the end. <laughs> wow. Yeah. If you don't I have know to tell the... people that you're watching it with. Well, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's already spoiled for me. Oh, wow. It's a show that relies on new information to be interesting as opposed to a show that's about character development. Okay. I love... Is that fair to say? Okay, I think I'm backing myself in. <laughs> yeah, it is fair to say. Thank you, yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> but what have you been reading lately? Yeah, have you read anything lately, Alexi? Yeah, well, you know, it is known about me that I'm no friend of the book. <laughs> I am a film lover. And yeah. I would say films, everyone always goes, oh, it's not as good as a book. Every movie is better than any book ever written. <laughs> and I believe that to my core. Corky <laughs> Romano, better than any book ever. <laughs> And, you know, because, one, they're funnier, you've got funny people doing crazy stuff in them, like Chris <laughs> Kattan or someone can do something funny. Chris Kattan is in zero books, and he's in probably six movies, you know? Okay. So that's one thing, but I actually have... Be, I've been the page turner recently, which is what okay. I call book readers. Oh, is it? I've been turning pages. I've read over... Ten books this year. Round of applause. Wow, thank you so much. This is a handy trick. If you go up in intonation when speaking, it demands the applause. (laughs) (laughs) For doing something so minor, it still works. Can we have an example of of something else? Well, one of the books I've been reading is one of the most exciting books of the year. Wow, wow, wow. You don't even know what it is. Well, wow. the book, I've read a few great books this year. My favorite book that I've read this year is uh, called uh, Sh- uh, Crying in H Mart, which is a memoir. I love memoirs. And it's by uh, Michelle Zonia, who is the singer of the band Japanese Breakfast. And it's about her losing her mother and like her life after that. It's a little bit sad, I know. Sorry, I'm going to say something funny but very still soon. still the most exciting great book, book of the yeah. year. I would recommend. <laughs> it to every single soul in this room if you want to feel something but also I have recently this is crazy this is like I've gone a bit crazy um, when House of the Dragon the new TV show also based on a popular based on book, a book very yeah, popular book right. um, I was a big Game of Thrones guy when it ended I didn't think about it ever again I was like okay my, that chapter in my life is closed I can continue my life like it never happened and then the new series premiered and I was at home the day that it came out I was like, oh, 11 a.m., I don't really have that much to do. I will chuck it on. And I wasn't on my radar at all. By the end of it, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm back in. I'm like <laughs> listening to podcasts about uh, House of the Dragon. I listen to four a week. Like, I go crazy. Four a w- I'm on the Reddit reading theories and everything. Like, I've just gone crazy. And then I started reading the book. And like, wow. I'm... I've never tried Game of Thrones. I bought the first one. I was like, read one page ago. No, thanks, mate. This sucks ass. It's so long. <laughs> it's so boring. This one, it's not even a novel. It's like a historical text about a made-up place. And I'm like, fucking hell. Just like going crazy. I've read, like, got it this week. And I'm like halfway through it. So I believe I'm in Westeros right now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on anymore. I'm enraptured in another realm. Wow, one episode to go. Are you excited? Oh, absolutely. Especially because I'm up to the dance of the dragons in the book, so I'm close to catching up. Oh. Yes. Sorry. He's close to <laughs> catching <laughs> up! Yes. What a guy. Yes. What a guy. Hey, what have I told you that I've been reading a book lately? Well, it oh. would not surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can prove it because I've got it right here. Oh. 
The book we are covering on this podcast is The 39 Steps. Yeah. It kind of works. It kind of works. John Buchanan. Or John Buchanan. Buchanan. Buchan. Oi. And uh, Bach, I got to go. I don't like this. John Buchan. <laughs> I did a Google of the name. Oh, okay. Apparently it's Buchan. Any uh. Bukeheads in tonight? Couple up the back. Okay. Um, 39 Steps. Either of you read this, seen one of the many adaptations, it's been adapted into many movies, which you might be ha- you happy You love about. movies. I've seen the movie that one of the movies that is based on it, the Alfred Hitchcock adaptation from 1935. Pre his uh, journeys to Hollywood when he was a British filmmaker, starring Robert Donat. One of my favourite names because it reminds me of one of my favourite foods, the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have read a Reader's Digest version of this book. You know where they like take out most of it and just leave like there were some steps and some murders. That, uh, that is basically this show. <laughs> Yeah, great. You're gonna love it. I'm catching You're up. Love real it. Quick. I've got a lot of crossover with the Reader's Digest. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you about it. So it's an uh, an adventure novel by Scottish author John Buchan, first serialized in magazines in 1915, before being published as a novel later in the year. Wow. So it's, uh, it's over 100 years old. This one, as well as a writer, Buchan was a member of Parliament, <gasps> a barrister, and a soldier. Oh my God, a real Darren Hinch. Yeah, he Parliament did. and everything else. <laughs> Darren Hinch off fighting the Iraq War. <laughs> <laughs> he also served as Governor General of Canada, a post he occupied until his death in 1940. But his most famous work is The 39 Steps. Buchan called these adventure thriller novels his shockers. Whoa. Which is not a good review. Yeah. <laughs> My shockers. Yeah. Especially in this day and age, the shocker has taken on a new meaning as a sexual maneuver. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And I shall not demonstrate it for the audience. I shan't do that. As it's an audio format, do you think you could describe some shocker? Well, let's just say it is not dissimilar from the Vulcan hand signal for live long and prosper in the Star Trek universe. Okay. Okay. Luckily, I have seen that hand gesture. Okay. All right, great. Thanks for the detail. <laughs> great. Uh, it was published during World War One. It was a great success for the men in the First World War trenches, and that popularity has continued. In 2003, the book was listed on BBC's Big Read poll of the UK's best-loved novels. So you know wow, it's good. Okay, mm. cool. How far up the list do you know? Uh, top 100. Top 100. Yes. Wow, that's good. Probably up there with Da Vinci Codes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. Well, no, not the top 10. <laughs> Oh, we always start with the opening line to give you a bit of a, the, the feel of Buchan. Mm, thank you. And uh, chapter one is called The Man Who Died. Oh, wow. I'm intrigued. And this is the words of Buchan. I returned from the city about three o'clock on that May afternoon, pretty well disgusted with life. I had been three months in the old country and was fed up with it. If anyone had told me a year ago that I would have been feeling like that, I should have laughed at him. But there was the fact. The weather made me liverish. The talk of the ordinary Englishman made me sick. Oh my gosh. I couldn't get enough exercise and the amusements of London seemed as flat as soda water that had been standing in the sun. Oh, that mm. is one of the flatter beverages I <laughs> yeah. could imagine. Yeah. <laughs> this is a wonderful rider. <laughs> he finishes by saying, Richard Hannay, I kept telling myself, you've got into the wrong ditch, my friend, and you had better climb out. Wow. And we're I off. love it when blokes call themselves my friend. <laughs> like, oh, my friend. And by my friend, I mean the body that I'm speaking to as the separate entity, the brain. <laughs> and also, it's like, I guess in this sort of pre- 
pre-war era, like how do we talk about depression? Mm. We talk about a physical ditch, yeah. climbing out of it, and other men can relate because they're literally in the trenches. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Yeah, they're probably so. drinking flat soda water. <laughs> yeah, that's right. To me, depression is just a flat soda water. I don't need to know about the trenches. I'm like, damn, if I got a flat beverage, I'm fucking upset all day long. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough to ruin a week. Oh, good lord! I've lost many a week <laughs> to the flat beverage. Yeah. We've just met our main character there, Richard Hannay. He's our lead character and also the narrator, recalling a story to us. So wow. he's telling us what happened. So in the book, we're characters, and he's speaking to us as if we were an old friend. Yeah. Pull up, a, pull up a chair. Let me tell you a tale. Wow. That would be really annoying. Just like a guy go, hey, sit down. I'm going to monologue at you for 39 pages plus. Let's go. And and when he's... Uh, you said that he's going to tell us something that happened. But when he's at the start saying, I'm getting out of this depression ditch, he's witnessed a murder. Like, that's already happened at this point to the character. He may have witnessed a murder. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I did the reader's digesting. <laughs> So you jumped in and gone, well, so at this point, he's insert the ending of the book right here. Has that already happened? I told you, me and spoilers, we love it. Um, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but he might witness a murder. Oh, gosh. Lord forbid. Oh, I hope that you're both wrong. I hope this is a nice book about a guy getting over his flatness. He gets a soda stream and recarbonates that yeah. beverage. That's what I'm hoping. Get it back on track. Come on. So Richard Hannay is a tall Scottish mining engineer. You imagine that? He made a small fortune as a prospector in Zimbabwe before fighting in the Boer War. So he's quite well off. And now he's moved to London. He's bored in his large apartment with a butler named Paddock. Paddock? Paddock. Wow. Is that a normal Scottish name? Is the butler Scottish? No, I don't think so. Okay, uh, it's a Welsh name or something. Okay, I guess. is he a patch of grass? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Hannah tells us, Here was I, 37 years old, sound in wind and limb. Is that fighting? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> With enough money to have a good time, yawning my head off all day. Wow. He's bored. Such is life. Mm. But he doesn't stay bored for very long. Because one day his neighbour... A man he hasn't really spoken to much, who turns out to be an American guy, approaches him and asks us if he can if he can come into Hannay's apartment because his life is in danger. Okay, okay. that will spice things up. He says, and he said no, and that the book. <laughs> he said no, and the man was shot to shit. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to know about it. Close yeah. the door on the guy bleeding to death in the hallway. And that's when he witnessed the murder. <laughs> Great. No, the man, he, he invites the man in. The man tells him a story. And at first, Hannah thinks he's a madman. But eventually, he begins to believe him. The man's name is Franklin P. Scudder. Mm. What? The names in this book are excellent. There are some awesome names coming up. <laughs> what is a Scudder? Scudder. Franklin P. Scudder. It's Franklin P. Scudder. <laughs> I guess this sounds like a Scotsman imagining what American names are. <laughs> hey, it's Scudder. almost like a president, but then we just go a bit crazy at the end. <laughs> And Scudder turns out to be a bit of a a journalist slash type of spy. He's uncovered something really big. Far out. So big, he thinks he's bitten off more than he can chew, and now his life is in danger. Oh, my gosh. He's like Tintin or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But then he goes a bit QAnon here. He says, 
Behind all the governments and the armies, there was a big subterranean movement going on, engineered by very dangerous people. Subterranean? Does he mean like mole people? Mole people. Is that's why there's like steps about mole people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's why not in the movie. a mining engineer involved because he knows all the <laughs> subterranean <knows> stuff. <laughs> 39 yeah. steps isn't very deep though. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, they're just not that moly. They just can't see that well. Yeah. <laughs> the whole distrust of the media is going all the way back then. They're like, this yeah. media guy, he knows about the Illuminati. Like, it's already started. Yeah, 1915. Wow. If you can blame this guy, John Buchan, you freaking <laughs> ruined the 21st century, mate. <laughs> they undermined the Fifth Estate. And that is just a cool fact. <laughs> this is also what he tells Hannah. Keeping in mind, this is Hannay recalling the story to us. He says that Scudder said to him, I've been watching you and I reckon you're a cool customer. I reckon too you're an honest man and not afraid of playing a bold hand. I'm going to confide in you. Whoa. <laughs> that's like, Honestly, you know, that's how you get someone on side. Here's three compliments now. Yeah. I will trust you. <laughs> but I can also imagine him also saying, uh, he, he also told me that I had the biggest dick of anyone he's ever met. It's <laughs> like, yeah, okay. And I do a lot for charity. Okay, <laughs> sure. It also feels like a scam because, like, quick, I'm about to be killed. I've been watching you for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I that way. Yeah. You got quite the gusto about you, mate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The scammer says. So, he says, "I've been watching you, and I want I want to tell you everything." He tells Hannah that he's uncovered a conspiracy by anarchists, where the oh. aim is to get Russia and Germany at loggerheads. The whole system uh, scheme is backed by rich people who want to see a war between the two superpowers because it will crash the stock market and then they can buy up big when it's really cheap and make lots of money. Wow. That's what he tells. Okay, well, this sounds really plausible. Yeah. Doesn't it? <laughs> You're in. <laughs> Have you been sucked in by QAnon as well? Yeah. They're all linked underneath the ground. Subterranean. <laughs> So the conspirators' plan apparently is to kick off the war by assassinating the Greek premier. Oh no, one of my countrymen. <laughs> no, am I saying God. this right? Constantine Karolides. Yeah, Constantine Karolides. Yeah. Well, wow. I'm actually going to be really emotionally attached to this character. Yes. Hopefully, nothing happens to him. <laughs> well, I'm afraid he's coming to London soon, and they're going to assassinate him. Oh, That's the plan. Gosh. I and hope an not. Austrian person will be framed, and it will make it look like that Austria and Germany work together to take him out, and it will set off a chain reaction of destabilization across Europe. That's the big plan. Oh, wow. It's actually not that dissimilar from real life. Yeah, 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 yeah. It all, it all went to shit yes. when one person got shot. Absolutely. And then they would go on to make one of the coolest bands of the 2000s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take me out. Well, that's what he didn't want to happen. Unfortunately, it did. <laughs> he, did that, he did get taken out. <laughs> so Scudder found out all about this, but the baddies are onto him and he reveals that he, has to, he had to fake his own death and leave a dead body in his apartment. Oh, what? So he, he's killed okay, some do we bloke. meet who was the body? Yeah. This is what he says. He said, I got a corpse. You can always get a body in London if you know where to go for it. Wow. <laughs> and we move on. Yeah. No explanation. You can like, I don't know how to get a body. I can't explain that bit. Wow. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Good Lord. Now, the only problem was the corpse looks like him quite a lot, except the jawline was quite different. Okay. Oh, so, okay. don't worry. He had a plan. He decided to shoot the jaw off with a gun <laughs> and make it look like the man had shot, shot himself through the jaw. Oh, yeah. Like, well, pe- like people do. I guess under pressure, you do come up with some interesting ways to <laughs> solve problems. <laughs> yes. I've got to shoot off this jaw. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
I wow. probably, if I'm honest, I would just kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's too stressful. I don't want to shoot some dead guy's jaw off. Yeah. I like actually. Mm, sorry, mate. We'll die together. <laughs> that is fine. You... I've got these dead twins. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like there's dead twins in this bathtub. <laughs> he gets into the tub with the body. <laughs> so he tells Hannah this, and Hannah's like, "Okay, you can stay here with me for a few days." That's what he says. He yeah. doesn't say, I'm going to the police. Yeah. This is <laughs> You're what... absolutely crazy. He goes, I'm so bored. This is awesome. <laughs> Finally, something to liven Finally. up my days. Care for a flat Pepsi Max? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Scudder goes off to have a shave and then he re-emerges in a disguise wearing a monocle and says he'll now be known as... Captain Theophilus Digby of the 40th Gurkhas. <laughs> oh, that's rude. That's a really mean name. He says, call me Captain Theophilus Digby. Wearing of a monocle. the Gurkhas. And so has he changed his accent or is he still American? I'm not sure. Did they change that's the font in the book? Okay. Yeah, that's up to you at home. And he's, gone, he's gone deep undercover and yeah. he's now got... That's crazy, man. To just be like, just one moment, come back out. <laughs> Shay with the monocles, like, you don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> and there's only two people at home. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, I have gone out in disguise in my life as well. There was a time where I had to not be myself, I had to be in disguise... And I was like, okay, how do people recognize me? Did you I get have... a body and put it in? Yeah, <laughs> I shot a guy's jaw off and just tossed him away. Uh, but I was like, okay, how do I do this? What's recognizable at me? I go, well, I've got glasses. I go, well, that's one facial feature. If I take those off, and I've got curly hair. So I was like, okay. Um, and I was on my way to something. And I went, it was here. I went and bought a Newtown uh, Jets baseball cap. And I just put it over my head. But I was like, oh, maybe a little bit more. And so I just walk around this baseball cap like down to here and walking around like that so I could still see. And no one knew who I was. They could not recognize me at all. Uh, can we ask why you had to go undercover? Um, well, it's a long story, but I actually defrauded Dendi Cinemas. I stole $2,000 worth of uh, movie ticket credits from them and I put them into my account and I used my real name on the account so they knew who it was. They stalked me on Facebook so they knew what I looked like. So, and I I want to go see a movie. After all, it's my greatest pleasure in life. So I had to go in in complete incognito mode. But you could have gone to another cinema. They only were playing that movie there. Oh, the movie okay. was Anomalisa, the claymation movie by, uh, uh, what's his name, Charlie Kaufman. They only played at the Art House Cinema and I simply had to go. And, so did you have to watch the whole movie with your hat over your eyes and looking up like yeah. that? <laughs> Well, under the cover of darkness, I did put my glasses back on so I could enjoy the movie. And did you, like, forget and go out and get a snack? I'm like, oh! oh. No, no. I actually do not snack in the cinemas. It's a sacred place for me. Oh, I kneel sorry. down. So I kneel down before the altar of the cinema on my knees and I sit down. I go, Lord Cinema, Charlie Kaufman, bless me today with a wonderful feature. Bless me, cinema, and I shall not tithe. I'm going to take $2,000 worth of credits. Yes, it's such a sacred place. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, you know, Mel Gibson owns that cinema, so I felt that I was doing good for the people. He actually doesn't own it anymore, but I was like, in my head, of like, well, fuck that guy. I'll still steal it from him. You owe Mel Gibson two grand. <laughs> no, don't say it out loud. Delete it from the podcast. <laughs> So, Scudder, or Theophilus Digby, stays with Hannah for a few days. He lies low, doesn't, doesn't leave the house. Do you reckon he slept with the monocle on as well? Just <laughs> yeah. in case Just someone in case. came at night? <laughs> <laughs> he, 
He tells Hannah more about the plot and reveals that behind the whole thing is a group called the Black Hand. Oh. Oh, they sound bad. And they they're led <laughs> by an old man, quote, with a young voice who oh. could hood his eyes like a hawk. Whoa. Does he mean like we put hoods on hawks and he just can put a hood on? <laughs> the bird goes straight to sleep. <laughs> if you put a hood on this man, he will fall asleep. And it's a great power because everyone's staying up late. He's like, I'm fine. Bang. <laughs> yeah. wow. He can sleep anywhere, this guy. This, is, this, is, this guy does some whack descriptions. Because yeah. he's old man with a young voice. I'm imagining Bert and Newton being like, what's up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my YouTube channel. <laughs> What else does he mean by hoodie's eyes like a hawk? I think does that, that he, when he flips, do you yeah. think a guy goes, his greatest talent is a guy that can flip his eyelids inside out <laughs> like a little party you trick? You should be in charge of an evil organisation. <laughs> Look at this party trick. <laughs> ah, it's creepy. I think he does have sort of very specific looking eyelids that close oh, and it reminded wow. him of a hawk. Oh, okay. So watch out for guys. that later in the book. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's all very mysterious and things only get even more so when Hannah comes home one day and discovers that Scudder has been murdered. Damn, Scudder or Digby Philosophically <laughs> is whatever his name <laughs> was. I'm afraid both of the men are dead. Stabbed through the heart in Hannah's own home. Oh God, what a waste of a dead guy's jaw if he's going to die <laughs> three days later anyway. Yeah. God, that guy could have been up in heaven gabbing with the best of them oh, now. Imagine. He's tragically <laughs> yeah. jawless up yeah. there. His family have an open casket funeral. They're like, oh my God. <laughs> so Hannah, he knows he's in deep. And he knows if he tries to warn the government about the Greek leader Karolides' upcoming assassination, he won't be believed. It's too wild. In fact, he thinks he's going to have a hard time proving that it wasn't him who killed Scudder. Oh, he's yeah, worried he's been yeah. framed for the murder. That would be so annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so. Oh, it's so inconvenient. It's easy. All you need to do is find a body that looks like yours. Leave that there as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. It looks like a dead normal guy and an eccentric guy with a, with a monocle and a shaved beard. Died in this bathtub together. I don't know why I always picture people dead in the bath. Anyway, carry on. So Hannah, he gets a little stressed. He's like, I need a roll of cigarettes. So he goes to his tobacco jar and inside he discovers a notebook that's been hidden and left behind by Scudder with a series of codes written inside it. Oh, wow. But he can't work out what it says. He looks out the window and realises his own apartment is still being watched. Surely he's the next target. He knows he must get out, but how is he going to escape the apartment without these people seeing? Well, the next morning, the milkman arrives to deliver the milk. Hannah asks if he can borrow his hat and overalls for 10 minutes and then he'll give the milkman a pound and his clothes back. That's what he oh, says. Oh, wow. Moments He's... later, he ripped out the man's jaw <laughs> and stole his clothes. <laughs> I need to borrow your jaw. <laughs> he tells him to wait here and the milkman's like, sure. And dressed in the man's uniform, Hannah is able to walk out the back of his building undetected. But when he's free, he throws the hat, overalls and the milk away in an alleyway so the milkman does not get his pound or his uniform back. <laughs> There's just a naked guy and a dead guy in a house yeah. just going, oh, I'm waiting for a buck, you know? Yeah. Class warfare in England is real yeah. tough, man. <laughs> and he, he literally laughs as he throws it away. Like, <laughs> wow. And what's worse, Hannah boards a train... At is King the body still there and the milkman's yeah. left in a yeah. house for yeah. the dead body? Yes, it's still there. And where's Paddock? Did the milkman ask? Oh, Pad- I think Paddock's out doing errands. Oh, wow. All day? Yeah. Is okay. Paddock in? Has he been briefed on what's going on? 
Nothing. He's been, he's just been sent out. Sent away. Oh, get out of here. There's an American. Yeah. It's bad time. <laughs> this American who's also in the Gurkhas. It's, yeah. very, it's very confusing. <laughs> so he rips off the milkman. And what's worse, Hannay boards a train at King's Cross Station and travels to Galloway in southwest Scotland. And he reads in a newspaper of the murder of Scudder. So the body's been discovered. Oh, wow. And he in also his re- home? In his house. Wow. And he also discovers that the milkman has been arrested for the crime. Oh, he'd be like, thank God. All right. <laughs> I'm actually just going to go on holiday now. <laughs> So he's really dogged the milkman, stolen his stuff yeah. and had him arrested for the wow. crime. Mood milkman kills eccentric <laughs> Mr. Peanuts. <laughs> Fortunately, the milkman's released, but now Hannay himself is named by the police as a suspect. Oh. So now he's on the run from both the Black Hand and the police. This story is heating up. Mm. He travels on the train, but thinking that he might be followed or tracked, he doubles back on himself and eventually jumps off between stations to cover his trail. He's a smart guy, this yes. guy. That's what I did. I actually got off at McDonald Town Station to throw <laughs> Dendy off my scent. <laughs> That's good. In case Mel was following you. <laughs> he makes friends with an innkeeper who agrees to hide him after Hannay discovers that the man desires to be a writer. Oh, okay. wow. That's nice, generous. But the problem for this writer is nothing interesting ever happens to him as an oh, innkeeper. Gosh. So Hannay tells him a few of his old war stories in exchange for the guy looking after him and hiding him in the back room. He's like, how about you write about this and then tells him one of his stories. Wow. And that's how he sort of pays the rent. God. Great. I wish that was worked in a lot of financial transactions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just before you get out of the Uber, you go, crazy thing happened. <laughs> And they're like, all right, cool, that's nice. <laughs> well, the crazy thing happened when I did get an Uber here today. I was lucky enough to be picked up by a Tesla. <gasps> wow. Well, thank you. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those. You get in the back. There is no handle to open the door. So yes. he pulls up out the front and says, oh, I've got to be quick here. It's a no standing zone. He gets out to get my suitcase out the back. And I'm in there. I have no idea how to open the door. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pushing it. I'm pulling it. He's like, it's door a button. open, please. Yeah, it's a button. It's a button. And I push the button and it just goes... Whoosh. Oh wow. oh, wow. But yeah, Elon made me look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a fool. Okay, so he, he wins over the innkeeper. He's like, I'll tell you a few stories. And he's like, I can trust this innkeeper. Yeah. So he tells him that people are after him and wanting to be part of something exciting. The inn man agrees to cover for him if anyone comes by. Three Wait, men- everyone becomes by? No, if anyone oh, comes by. Oh, and gosh. Everyone so I was like, by. okay, this story is here. <laughs> yeah. There's a real subplot here. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> Three men come looking for Hannay, and so do the cops. Because two groups looking for him. And whilst the innkeeper talks to them, Hannay decides to steal the bad guy's car and drive away. Which I could not understand why he did that. <laughs> and he later regrets it because it's a very, very specific looking car. Wow, yeah. it had no door handles on <laughs> <Yeah>. the inside. <laughs> And both the black hand and the cops saw him take it, so they know what he's doing. They were there at the same time, the cops and the black hand. Wow. These are good cops, by the way. (laughs) Like, it's a murder in London. He's doubled back on the railway, random innkeeper. (laughs) Cops are there the next day. That's impressive. We're looking for a guy called Hannay. Anyone around (laughs) here called that? He should have changed his name to Earl of Cambridge or something. Yeah. And the first name's just Earl, like yeah. the TV show My <laughs> yeah, Name yeah, Is yeah, Earl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no title, no distinctive. <laughs> but as he drives along, he's, uh, he's thinking about Scudder's notebook. Remember the one he found in the tobacco mm, jar? Of course. Because he's been able to crack the code. Oh, wow. He's a busy boy. Yeah. He says, I'm actually a pretty good code cracker. He's not, uh, he's quite arrogant. I'm wow. <laughs> 
Do we get to read? If I was reading the book, do I get to see like ciphers and stuff? Yeah, he, it's a complicated. It's slightly complicated where like A equals J. Okay. Okay. And then that equals a Roman numeral. So it's like A is the first letter of the alphabet, but that actually means J, which is like I don't know. Someone count letter for me. Letter fourteen. Yeah, fourteen is something my guess. like that. So that's X one. Was it fourteen? Was I right? Text. So Fuck, that would be X. Please no. lie next Roman time. Numerals. Boost my confidence up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, give me something. <laughs> you were really close. Wow, thank yeah, you so 14 much. Felt good so, to it's, me. so it's slightly com- It's a pretty complicated. You got to work it out. What that letter corresponds to that letter then. But if you're reading the book, you go, "Ooh, I get to work it out," and you get out. No, of he pen. just tells you what it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not exciting at all. <laughs> okay. But he's cracked the code, and he learns that Scudder, when he told him the plot, wasn't entirely truthful with him. Yes, there is a conspiracy to assassinate Karolides, the Greek leader, but it's not anarchists behind it at all, but Germany. Oh, good lords. The death of Karolides would have different countries pointing fingers at each other across Europe, saying, who assassinated this uh, Greek leader? Germany would step in and play the peacemaker, and then when Britain was least expecting it, it would invade and quickly take the mainland. That would be so popular in a British newspaper (laughs) after World War I. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to read more of these bloody Germans. (laughs) Well, it it was written during World War I, and that seems a bit like propaganda to you. The author, John Buchan, had been recruited by the War Propaganda Bureau. (laughs) (laughs) Is this book propaganda? Yeah, so he's like, it's Germany. We can't trust Germans. And the guys in the trenches are like, too right, we can't. Yeah, Wow. So th- that's the real reason, and that's why it's still on the top one hundred <laughs> books list. <laughs> that's from Britain. <laughs> wow. Also written in Scudder's notes is a phrase that Hannay can't quite make sense of. It says, "The thirty-nine steps was the phrase," and its last use of it ran, "Thirty-nine steps. I counted them. High tide at ten seventeen p.m." He's like, wow. "What could that mean?" 39 steps, high tide at 10.17pm. Wow, everybody in the audience remember this moment. Yeah, remember. I believe it will come back. It will come back. It is the title of the book after all. They never mention it ever again. (laughs) I'm still obsessed with the Hawkeyes coming back. That's what I'm hanging up Watch out for Hawkeyes. I wonder how they describe them. (laughs) Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com So so now he's on the run, driving along, and he realizes that he's being followed by a plane. So the bad guys are not giving up. They're following him with a plane. Hannah decides, decides that he needs to stay off the main roads and go on the back streets. He's still in the very distinctive car. Yes. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I thought he was on foot and the plane's like, there he is! Ah! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Double back, double back. <laughs> but as he drives around a corner, he nearly crashes into another driver and has to drive... Uh, he has to dive out of the car in time before it goes off a cliff. Wow, Ooh. you can really tell this was serialized <laughs> yeah, like right. back in the day. Like, all right, we've got to do one fucking thing this week. I guess he almost crashes his car while he's driving <laughs> yeah. away. Again, so, a bit of anti-German stuff and an exciting yeah. bit next week. 
<laughs> that is exactly how this is written. <laughs> it's in like these chapters with these exciting title names. The other driver, Harry Boulevant. Oh, wow. They're almost normal names. <laughs> He's so apologetic that he caused Hannah to drive off the road. He's like, let me take you in. Um, you can eat, you can drink, you can stay at my place. Wow. And again, Hannah gets talking to this guy. And a lot of single men in this <laughs> yeah, book. Yeah. A lot of guys just live by themselves with a butler and that's it. Uh, this uh, book does not only fail the Bechtel test. It's like, woman, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they even mention a female character. There's all these eccentric <laughs> men living by themselves. Yeah. Hey, listen, i got nothing going on in my life. Stranger, do you want to stay four days at my house? <laughs> he keeps finding these sad... Sad yeah. man. These, he finds yeah. these losers. The first one, the guy's like, I want to write a book, but nothing interesting happens. Yeah. Next one, he finds another guy struggling with a p- problem. Yeah. Harry Boulevant is a local liberal candidate. Wow. Okay. Small L or big L? Yeah, oh. Small L. Okay. okay. Thank goodness. So, so yeah, so he's, he's due to give a talk on, quote, the colonies to a local wow. hall. Maybe not that small L. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got to understand. It's like, what are the Tories talking about if that's what he's talking about? He's due to give a, a talk at a local hall full of people, but he's got stage fright. Wow. Oh, he's solving people's problems and doing cool car yeah. tricks. Yeah. He's a cool guy. And when he, he learns Hannah's got an interesting background, he's like, hey, can you open for me? Do a tight Come five. On. Is do that a real? Can you give a talk for me? Tell him some interesting stories to warm up the crowd. Is that real? That's real. What and the f- <laughs> And he's, like, and he's like, all right, I'll do it. And he goes up there and he, he does well with Did the crowd. Did he say, can you talk about your experience travelling to colonies? No, no, no. Yeah. Just tell him some cool stuff. Whatever's yeah. cool going on in life. Cool you shit. wouldn't believe what's happened to me the last couple of days, mate. <laughs> oh, my God. A guy killed himself next door. <laughs> you know what? He, he talks about his time spent in Australia. Okay. No way. Yeah, a little bit does. of local gear. Yeah, he does some local gear. It's like, yeah, but it's he even crazy. Says, they do things a little differently <laughs> yeah. down there. Thank goodness there were no Australians in the crowd. That's what <laughs> wow. he tells us. The candidate, Harry Boulevant, is so thankful, and Hannah realizes he's, he's won his trust, and he just decides to tell him the truth about being oh, wanted for murder. Oh, wow. He's like, I'm being wanted for murder. I didn't commit it. Um, and these guys called the Black Hand are after me. And Harry Boulevant offers to help him out by putting him in touch with his godfather. Sir Walter Boulevant, who was Whoa. a... Whoa, sounds was, like his regular father. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the same surname. <laughs> who was a high-ranking press secretary at the Foreign Office. He's like, he's high up. He'll be able to help you out with this. Wow. <laughs> so now he's got someone to help him, but he's got to get there first. So Hannah continues on the run. And on the run, these are some of the other things he does to escape the black Can I hand. just check? The plan is to go and confess to murder to a high-ranking <laughs> government official. No, That's the plan? Yeah, and be like, hey, I didn't do it, by the way. To try and get his name cleared by the high-ranking government yeah, official. Yeah, but the plan is to walk and say, yeah, I'm that guy everyone's looking for for yeah, murder. But I didn't do I it. Didn't do it. I, met, I met your godson, so yeah. help me out. And whilst I'm here, here is a plot to assassinate the Greek yeah. premier. That's the plan. And I didn't do that either, I promise you. (laughs) It's a pretty solid plan. But he's got to get there first. Mm. He travels through Scotland and England and he keeps coming across people. All the the while, the black hand, the cops are following him. One day, he sees the plane, he sees three men honing in on him and he's worried the net is closing. So he's like, what am I going to do? I can't escape anywhere. But he comes across... I'm going to go spend four days at a strange man's (laughs) house. He's going to take... 
a lower class person's clothes. <laughs> this is actually spot on. <laughs> do you remember that bit? He called, no, he, he did it for the poor old milkman. He's going to do it he again. Did, he did so. He's walking along. He sees a Scottish man yeah, who's wow. uh, a road worker. Wearing work- a kilt, I'm <laughs> presuming. <laughs> he's a road worker and he's in charge of a certain like five-mile stretch of the yeah, road. Yeah, so not like he's already got a good job. Not like a regular road worker. He's mm. a foreman. Yeah, yeah that's right. Over- but he's, he comes across him and the... The guy, Scottish man, is hungover and drunk. Oh, Cla- okay. So also they're slandering the <laughs> yeah. Germans and the Scottish. But he's Scottish. John Buchan's Scottish, so he's okay. probably allowed to do that. <laughs> like just a so little one for the gags, the yeah. guys back at home. <laughs> but Based but- on his childhood bully or something. <laughs> <laughs> so he meets the road worker and the road worker's like, oh, I'm too drunk to do this job. And the new manager's coming out to see me today. Comes out once a month. Oh, I'm going to get fired. I'm too drunk. And um, Hannah goes, how about... I, I do your job for you. And all you do is have to take a rap for murder for me. <laughs> <laughs> you go have a sleep. I'll put on your cl- your dirty clothes. Oh, wow. And then I'll pretend to be you. So he does. So the guy goes, all right, it no worries. It says dirty clothes, doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. You're a lower class filth. He even, so, he even swaps undies with the guy. He's like, yep, now I can really be you. <laughs> so he dresses up as the guy. And when the three uh, men that are looking for him arrive, he's just dressed as this uh, oh. local road worker. And he's an Academy Award-worthy actor, this guy. Wow. Yeah. And they go, oh, just road worker, no worries. And they go, go They away. interview him, they ask, have you seen any strange dudes? Yeah, <laughs> and he, he basically goes, oh, yeah. and they say, oh, your boots are pretty expensive for, uh, for a road worker. Because he's kept his own boots on. Oh, but he wow. goes, yeah, I stole them from a man. And they go, checks out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, no worries. You keep, let us know if you see anyone. Oh. Uh, the, the next thing he does is um, I've got to read out this name Still dresses a road worker A car pulls up And Hannay recognises the driver As an awful stockbroker that he, that he hates The <laughs> okay. guy's name Marmaduke Jopley <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Marmaduke was a real name So good Well it's awesome And his nickname is Marmy Marmy Oh Marmy And you know what he does He carjacks Marmy Wait, he's Hell still yeah. dressed as a Scottish road worker. Yep, he gets in the back and says, and he says, Mommy's like, what the hell are you doing here? And he says, oh, don't you remember me? I'm Richard Hannay. And he goes, the man wanted for murder. <laughs> and he goes, the same one. And if you don't drive me where I want you to, want you to, me to, I will uh, I'll kill you too. Wow. So he's just stolen a second car. Mommy drops him off somewhere. And he heads off into the undergrowth, spends the night out in the wilderness. The next day... He's running along. Cops turn up. He's like, oh, no, what am I going to go? So he decides to visit another stranger's house. Wow. You know, it depends on the kindness of strangers. I love this, guy. this. I love this guy. Why did he get Marmy to drop him at the Godfather's house? Yeah. Because he had more chapters to go. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Right. We're on chapter seven. It we need a few more. <laughs> exactly. He's got six more weeks of <laughs> this book to come out. <laughs> so he, um, he sees a house. He's like, I've got, I've got to take a chance. And he goes in there and he sees a bald man sitting at a desk. And I think this chapter is called The Adventure of the Bald Archaeologist, wow. which I love. Another single man with a lot of free time on his hands <laughs> yeah. for a day adventure. He do- and he comes in and he- the bald man says, oh, you look like you're in a hurry. A man has just wandered into his house. And he-, he looks out the window and sees the cops and goes, oh, I know what you're doing. You're running from them. Well, I don't like the police walking through my property. So go hide in the back room. I'll protect you. Wow. And he goes off and he hides in the back room and he's like, oh, thank goodness I'm being protected by this man. Then the door opens a few minutes later. The man is standing there and he's like, oh, I think I recognise that man's 
eyes. <gasps> they are very hawk-like. Oh my god! Oh, he realizes he's walked right into the bad guy's house. That is a mighty huge coincidence. <laughs> and the the bald man says, "Hello, Mr. Hannay." And Mr. Hannay, remember, he's an Academy Award worthy actor. He says, "Hannay, never heard of him." <laughs> And he starts pretending to be another character. Wow. And he's so good that even the bald man's like, oh, maybe it's not him. (laughs) That would be so embarrassing. Yeah, he's like, all right, I've got to go out to lunch now. But he says to his two henchmen, lock this door and make sure he doesn't get out and I'll deal with him when I get back. I think that lie would work, honestly, because if you're the main villain of this world, you're sitting at your desk doing your evil deeds or whatever, um, and then the guy that you're after comes into your home, you're like... Surely not. Yeah, this can't. You're like, oh, no, no, I this don't can't. think so. No. You're like, then you'd be so embarrassed. You'd go, fuck, he just looks heaps like him. Yeah, fuck. Just doing a double take. No. No, shit, I'm a fool of myself. So they lock Hannah in a pitch black, black room. And in the dark, he feels around and he finds a cupboard. And he smashes it open. And inside, he finds a torch. Very convenient. Wow. Oh, that's good. I always keep my torches in a locked <laughs> cupboard in, <laughs> in a dark, dark room. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Oh, blackout. Go to the dark room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, break open the door. (laughs) And if you thought that was a coincidence enough, he turns on the torch and he realises that this room is full of explosives. Wow. And he's a mining engineer, so he's like, I know how to rig a bomb. Pulls out a fuse, ties some stuff together, and he's like, I... You know, it's been a while since I've, uh, you know, engineered a bomb. I don't know if this is going to blow open the door or blow up the whole house. I could die. Anyway, so he lights the fuse... It blows up some of the <laughs> Enough for him to escape. Wow, okay. So he's out. Well, the Hawkeye guy should have just been like, well, chuck him in the bathroom. There's one <laughs> room that you really should have put this guy in. <laughs> also, he was really good at bombs because he had a room full of explosives and yeah. none of that blew up. No. Yeah. <laughs> Very localised. God, this guy's one of the greatest experts at every field he's ever encountered. <laughs> I love this man. <laughs> Did he keep the torch, like, for future hijinks? I don't think he did, no. Oh, Sounds okay. like he, just... he, he politely put it back in the cupboard. Yeah. Like, they should have just called it a lamp, you know? <laughs> At that point, like, yeah, he turned the lamp on. Yeah. There's explosives in there. He then heads for Sir Walter Bullivant's place, the godfather of the mm. liberal candidate that can help him out. He gets there. Bullivant's like, I received my godletter's son. I know who you are. I've looked into the case, and no, the police no longer want you for murder. You're off the hook. Wow. I would just go home. He's like, no worries. And then... That's a really good letter by the, the summit. The <laughs> a great letter. Son, by the yeah. way. He can't talk in front of a crowd, but he writes a great letter. That guy. <laughs> and boy, is this guy funny as well. <laughs> <laughs> he really crushed. Yeah, God, he's so good. <laughs> so, Hannah's like, that's the first thing. The other thing is that um, Karolides, the Greek guy, is about to be assassinated. And the guy says, I don't know about that. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's Scudder. I think, he's, I think he was wrong about that. Mm. Then the phone rings. He's like, excuse me, I've got to take this call. He returned in five minutes with a whitish face. Oh, no. I apologise to the shade of Scudder, he said. Carolides was shot dead this evening at a few minutes after seven. Wow. So sorry, Alexi. Damn it. My favourite character's dead. (laughs) (laughs) We never even got to meet him. God damn it, he would have been so fun, I reckon. A real zestful life, that guy is characteristic of many Greek people. (laughs) So Walter now believes him and he asks Hannay to come with him to London where uh, Walter is having a top-secret emergency meeting with some high-ranking law enforcement officials from England and France. 
And Hannah, he waits outside the door while they're in the little boardroom having a meeting. And uh, he's wait- as he's waiting, one of the men leaves. And he's a very famous man, the head of the Navy, who has the best rank I've ever heard. The First Sea Lord. Wow. How good is that? That's a good title. And apparently he's a really famous guy. Everyone knows this guy. He's got a very distinctive face. As he's leaving, he makes eye contact with Hannay, who's sitting in the hallway. And it's only for a second, but it chills Hannay to the core. Because the first Sea Lord was a very famous man he's never met before. When they make eye contact, the Sea Lord gives him a look of recognition. Like, oh, what are you doing here? Like his eyes say, I know you. And I'm a bit startled to see you here. Just for a second. And he's like, that's so weird. So, you know, he decides to do a little digging. So he pulls out the phone book. Inside, he's waiting outside the meeting. Yeah. He just grabs the new phone. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Back phone in there. the old days, people had to carry the yellow pages <laughs> yeah. with them. In case I didn't contact anyone at any point. S for Sea Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it? Sea Lord's in there. He, he calls yep. up the residents. Wow. But he's so famous. And he, well, it's answered by the butler. And he says, oh, I need wow. to speak to the Sea Lord. And the butler says, I'm sorry, sir. But he turned in an hour and a half ago. He's sound asleep. And he's <gasps> like... How is he asleep, but also here? That must have been an imposter. <gasps> so he, he, he smashes into the room, the ballroom, and sits, tells everyone what's happened. And they're like, he can't I just be. tried calling this guy home. Yeah. He's been asleep for an hour. And they're like, that can't be true. So they decide to call themselves. And one gets off the phone and goes, it's true. He's been in bed for an hour and a half. <sighs> so this man... <laughs> was dressed exactly like him, wow. so much so that they believed it was him. And because they t- all the people in the room have presumably only communicated on the phone with this guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. and never seen his <laughs> never face. Never seen the face before. And they've just told him all of France and England's defence secrets. So they're oh, freaking out. Oh, gosh, that would be real. You'd be like, oh, we fucked up. <laughs> yeah. We fucked up. We've got to have some sort of check procedures before people get told secrets. <laughs> yeah. and they're like, uh, we've got to find this guy. We've got to stop him before he leaves with all these secrets. But they're all out of ideas. They have no idea who this man is and where he might be going. But, wow. but then Hannah remembers something. Oh, gosh. Let me Poor guess. Guys. There was something interesting about this man's eyes. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He remembers a certain clue written by Scudder in code. <gasps> 39 steps. I counted them. High tide, 10.17pm. Oh. He okay. thinks if he can find these steps, then he can find the black hand. Whoa. Okay. They must be attempting to escape via the sea somewhere with 39 steps. He tells the senior military and law officials his theory, and despite him being a mining engineer not qualified in any way to lead a police investigation, they're like, sure, why not? Let's go with that. You're in charge. We're all single. we got nothing on. Let this guy take us on another adventure. So they, uh, they, they uh, interview a local seaman. Really, there's not one woman in this whole story so far. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, this is really... This, the, I mean, this would be interesting if that was the premise. Like, in a world where only men exist <laughs> yeah. and they've got a lot of free time on their hands. <laughs> yeah, if you think about the, like, the brief they gave him, they said, anti-Germany propaganda, mm-hmm. don't make any of the men horny. <laughs> <laughs> and none of these soldiers can read about a woman. It'll be disaster. <laughs> I reckon that's what he was told. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> Originally, it was called the 69 Steps. That was way too sexy. <laughs> way too sexy. So they, they get a local uh, local sailor and they ask him, "Hey, uh, you know the local area? Have you ever counted your f- steps when you're walking yeah. around here? Are there any places with lots of steps down to the beach?" And he's like, 
Actually, I can think of a few. He lists out a few and they cross-reference them uh, with anywhere that has 39 and has high tide at 10.17 p.m. And then they count the steps. Bingo. There's only one place that ticks all the boxes. Wow. They've got all that written down? Yeah, yeah. They don't have databases or anything then. There's just some strange guy going like, well, I guess this is my job in this world. (laughs) (laughs) Write all this shit down. Someone who knows how many steps for every staircase in England. (laughs) At at different times of day as well where it changes. So he finds the steps and they lead up to a private mansion overlooking a beach. Apparently owned by a quiet but respectable local man. Directly out to sea in front of it is a yacht. So they do a drive by pretending to be local fishermen and have a chat with the crew of the yacht. A lot of character work in this as well. And three of them are respectable Englishmen. You know, old boys you can rely upon. Yes. One of them was lower class. But English enough, you know, okay, happy okay. with that. But the other is clearly German, and oh. we all know what that means: guilty. Wow. <laughs> oh. So Hannah is convinced that sorry, that's his words, not mine. So Hannah is convinced he's on the right path. But when they stake out the house with the thirty-nine steps, all he sees is again very respectable Englishmen playing tennis, playing golf, just normal English guys. stuff. Yes. Normal English stuff. Eating cucumber sandwiches, yes, I would presume. Exactly. They seem so normal and yeah. English and therefore innocent. They're watching EastEnders playing darts. <laughs> <laughs> but Hannah, he knows what it's like to go method as a character actor and he thinks it could still be the bad guys in some great disguises. Wow. So he knocks on their door and is invited in by their butler. Uh-oh, it's Paddock. It's Paddock. He's, He's got a second Paddock. job. <laughs> yeah, Paddock. He's moonlighting. Man, he yeah. hasn't been home in ages. It was just a naked milkman <laughs> for a while. Now I've got to find another gig. Inside, he meets three perfectly respectable men who look nothing like the three men that have been on his tail throughout the story. But he challenges them anyway, and he says, I'm Mr. Hannay, and you're all under arrest. First of all, he's not a cop in any way. And secondly, they're like, what are you talking about? We're just three normal guys. <laughs> Hane begins to doubt himself internally. What if he's wrong? He would look like an absolute fool. Yeah. Double he, down, mate. Double he, down. He, he doubles down. He says, I know it's you. You're crooks. And they say, no, we're just normal people. We can prove it. How about you play a game of bridge with us? Wow, okay. We, we needed a fourth player anyway. <laughs> Again, some lonely voice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like a modern-day Peter Pan tale. There's just little lost boys. I've got so much free time. It really is like a science fiction world, yeah. this whole thing. What are the guy, What are the cats get up to when the mice is away, you know? <laughs> so they start to play a game of cards, and they all seem so normal, but then Hane recalls, something awoke me. <laughs> the old man laid his hand to light a cigar. <gasps> he, he had d- a young voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't pick it, pick it up at once, but sat back for a moment in his chair with his fingers tapping on his knees. And he's like, I recognise that hand movement. Despite it not being mentioned That's to us... That's a shocker. <laughs> despite it not being mentioned to us earlier, which I think it really should have been for this to work, uh, he's like, that was the same hand movement the man with Hawkeyes does. That must be him. Oh, wow. I went, I even a bit went, of a stretch. I even, I even went back. I was like, surely I've missed that bit. Mm. No, I think like weeks later in his weekly column, he's like, shit, I really should have written that. <laughs> I've already done the eyes bit. What have I got? Yeah. What have I got? He's like, hang on. 
Yes, he's staring at three masters of disguise, but now they've just given themselves away. And the more he looks, the more he can see the similarities between these three men and the men that have been on his tail. So he can now see through the disguise. God, makeup was so good back then. So good, so good. (laughs) At the end of the uh, game of bridge, one of the men says he has to leave. And as he goes, Hannay blows a whistle and in storms police officers, grabbing two of the men, but not the third one who'd stood up to leave... He leaps through a window and heads off down to the beach towards the getaway yacht. The old man with the hawk eyes then laughs, even as he's pinned down and under us. He says, he's safe. You cannot follow in time. He's gone. He has triumphed. But Hannay tells us that he coolly replied, I hope Franz will bear his triumph well. I ought to tell you that the Ariadne yacht out there for the last hour has been in our hands. The plan has been foiled. Hannay, you've done it again. Wow. That's, um, first of all, the cops waited outside a long time. <laughs> yeah, for an entire <laughs> game of bridge. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. Because he blows the whistle like, bang, action. A lot of time there, they're like, oh, my knees though. are getting sore, yeah. crouched <laughs> in the bushes. Yeah, is he dead in there? Yeah. Uh, then there's a paragraph break and our final line of the book is... Sorry, also they called him France. We've never met this guy before. They just chucked a German slur at the one who yeah, ran away. Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was just, just checking. Yeah, yeah, no, his name isn't France. Yeah, yeah. Fritz, you little bitch. <laughs> We've got you covered. <laughs> yeah. There's a paragraph break and our final line is... Seven weeks later, as all the world knows, we went to war. I joined the new army the first week and owing to my war experience, got a captain's commission straight off. But I had done my best service, I think, before I put on khaki. The end. Wow. So he's... Thank you. Wow. Well, yeah, I guess he did a lot of work to almost prevent the war from happening. (laughs) It happened anyway. It happened anyway, yeah, cool. A week later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, okay, well, he's a good guy. He's really funny and, like, he... Has good disguises, he's a great actor, and he's extremely entertaining. You a fan of Richard Hannay? I love the guy, I think he's <laughs> awesome. He returned in uh, four more novels, the final one came out in 1936, has my favourite title of all of them, The Island of Sheep. <gasps> that sounds fun. Sounds fun. Sounds like a slur against Australia in the <laughs> early colony <Yeah>. days. <laughs> so, so... He um, were all the other ones serialized as well in in the newspapers. Yeah, yeah, they were. Yep, nice one. Nice. That's not but a this bad. This is the most famous one. It's been adapted many times, including his radio shows, a TV show, three movies. The most famous being the 1935 Hitchcock one you mentioned. Uh, it's quite different from the novel, I will say. The 39 Steps ends up being, I think, that's the name of the bad guys. Yeah. So they don't they don't look for 39 Steps at all. Uh, the Hitchcock version also added a female love interest played by Madeline Carroll. Yes. Okay, we'll see. First of all, the original text never had that. <laughs> no, it's very clear. Yeah, very... Yeah. Buchan was rolling over in his grave. <laughs> despite being alive. This is too woke now. There's what, what chicks in this on? book. Yeah. Oh, yuck, I hate this thing. <laughs> I reckon he was told... Write a book mm-hmm. and make sure the police force look awesome yeah. because they're everywhere. Yeah. Murder, always on the tail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So did that's the end of the book. The only thing left to do is you know give it a score out of five, as you heard it here today. That's what we do oh, wow, to every five. book or play we cover here. 
I'm going to say, first of all, full credit to lots of little exciting cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. It felt like every every second it was like, I'm going to blow myself out of a house. Like yeah. little cool bits all the way through. Little things. My favorite part was that car accident he got into. <laughs> I love that bit. Yeah. I love that. A car almost fell off a cliff and the guy was like, Oh, thanks so much for saving me. You want to open for me? It's <laughs> <laughs> such a wild bit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Honestly, I was thrilled at every point. I will have to deduct marks for assassinating a Greek character. <laughs> so I will probably go for three stars. Three stars. Right. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Look, I think we can't overlook, obviously we've spoken at length about the lack of uh, any sort of diversity <laughs> in yeah. roles in the show. There was an old man. There was yeah. one old man. And hey, there was a yeah. German guy. Well, yeah, he sounded he was German. Evil. There was a man with hawk eyes. <laughs> yeah. That was the same old guy. Okay, so, yeah. There was a guy with an ocular impairment. He yeah. wore one monocle. <laughs> yeah, okay. That was a character he yeah. played. <laughs> well, still, that's and representation. there was quite a lot of um, uh, other characters who were clearly poor and, <laughs> and or drunk. <laughs> <laughs> or Australian So yeah. I don't know I reckon It still was entertaining So let's go A good solid Two and a half Wow right. <laughs> I think that's brutal <laughs> the, the, the run up there Sounded higher Than two and a half <laughs> I'm gonna give it Two and a half yeah. Wyatt reveals He's been bored <laughs> No that's a pass That's a solid it's pass It's a pass it's I'm, gonna, a... I'm gonna give it The highest score of all I'm gonna give it A four out of five Four yeah, out of five It's pretty, pretty wow. enjoyable Pretty gripping Well as an audience uh, When we do the live ones We have to get you to, to vote So I'm gonna read out The scores Clap for what you think If, if you think it was a, a zero Thank goodness That would have been yeah. uh, Hard for me To not take personally There's an even <laughs> Greeker guy In the audience Goes Nah mate yeah, It yeah. sucked I hated that book uh, One wow. Two Two and a half Like Wyatt there okay. was one guy who clapped once. <laughs> yeah, but you felt embarrassed. <laughs> he did one clap. Three. Yeah. Solid. Four. Three's got it. Okay. Five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> it's always such a letdown. Yeah. I really should start a five. Your instinct kicked in. You're like, mm, I don't think there's going to be a five. <laughs> but but maybe. Yeah, I, it. I felt like I could maybe will it over the line. <laughs> But maybe yeah. there's those holdouts who are like it's a it's a it's pure five out of five. <laughs> that's that isn't a that's a three out of five from the audience. Thank you so much. Can we have a big round of applause for for Wyatt and Alexi? Um, before we go, Alexi and Wyatt, have you got stuff coming up? Um, yeah, I've got my. Uh, I'm a YouTuber. Yes. I'm a YouTuber. Now. Have you seen yeah. Finding Jesus? Yeah. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, I've got a YouTube show. It's called Finding Jesus. We made it with Auntie Donna. It's the best. It's a mystery investigation into the internet's greatest unsolved mystery. And this week, it shall be solved. The final two episodes come out on Monday and Tuesday. And yeah, spoiler alert: we fucking sell. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's cool. Check it out. It's called Finding Jesus on Grasshouse YouTube. You can Google it. Also, findingjesus.com if you can only remember .com, so you can find it <laughs> yeah, there too. Right. Um, I am not on YouTube, but I am doing a show at um, Improv Theatre Sydney for their <gasps> f- sixth birthday festival. I think it's Thursday, the eighth of December. I'm doing Plonk Family Band reunion tour. Oh, dude! Um, it is Thursday. It is the eighth. Uh, and <laughs> just had to check what day of the week is what. Uh, it comes after Wednesday. Yes. Um, it's a show where we uh, play all the favourite songs you've never heard. Yeah, Plonk uh, Family Band is so funny. Oh, thank you very Man. much. It's a folk band playing improvised songs uh, at the amazing, beautiful new theatre, the Improv Theatre Sydney on uh, War... Ooh, 
Botany Street? Botany Road? I don't please know. look it up. I, I don't know where it is. <laughs> it's fantastic. Can we please give it up for Wyatt and Alexi one more time? Thank you. Uh, thank you so much to the Vanguard for having us. Robbie on sound doing a fantastic job at the back. Thank you so much. Um, I'll be back with another episode soon. I had a great time. Hopefully I'll see you again sometime. But until then, I'm going to say it. If you want to join in on, on three, I'm going to yell books forever. Maybe I'll edit this bit out so it sounds supernatural. They're like, wow, they're really disjoined in. So thank you so much. And one, two, three, books forever. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.